I got tired watching that video. How about you? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a lot, of, a lot of activity, a lot going on, and maybe your life feels like that along the way. And that's why we wanted to kind of start the new year and talk about how do we navigate kind of this thing called life. How do we successfully navigate a, a new year? And as I thought about that, uh, we, we just recently moved into to a new house, and it's, it's been kind of interesting because our address like doesn't show up on GPS or, or Google Maps apps right now, all right? And in fact, if you punch, uh, punch our address in, it sends you to Kershaw. Uh, we, we don't live in Kershaw, nothing against Kershaw, we just don't happen to live there, all right? Uh, and so what's been funny is, you know, as you've had folks coming to deliver things or, you know, an appointment to set up something or whatever it may be, that it's been interesting that how folks have, like, attacked that getting there. Because I've tried to tell folks, you know, talking to them, well, we're, we're not on, you know, Google Maps or GBS yet and that sort of thing. And da 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 da, da And, oh, no problem. No problem, some of them say. We'll find you. We'll find you. No problem. Okay. Well, here's number in case you, you know, need help. About the time they're supposed to show up, nobody's there. And then eventually you get this phone call. Now, where are you again? <laughs> so I'm like, well, exactly where I was last time I talked to you on the phone, right? And so you kind of have to figure out ways to kind of help people get there. You know, uh, email directions or text them or uh, sometimes talk them on the phone and talk them through the turns to, to get there. Or, and there's been a couple that's just like, okay, let's do it this way. Can you get to here, and I will meet you there, and then you can follow me, right? It's just trying to figure out how do you help people navigate to a place that doesn't show up, particularly on the tools that they're used to using for navigation. But you know, navigating in unfamiliar territory is not just for new addresses or strange cities, but it's kind of life, isn't it? That all of us have to figure out how do you navigate life? And particularly when you venture into unknown territory along the way. And as we, we think about this series of messages, I want to just kind of start with a question. Who or what helps you to navigate life? That may be something worth thinking about a little bit. Who or what do I rely on, lean on, trust to help me to navigate life. Well, what I want to do in this series, I want to just talk about four things, four things that I think God has given us as gifts that can help us to navigate this thing called life. And the first one is foundational for sure. The first incredible gift that God's given us is the Bible. And we're just going to call it, for the sake of this series, we're going to call it the owner's manual, all right? He's given us an owner's manual to help us to navigate this thing called life. 2 Timothy 3 is a very familiar passage. We looked at it uh, in the fall when we were talking about uh, the authority of Scripture. But just want to lift these words back up to us as kind of our starting point this morning. All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
That God has given us this incredible gift that God has inspired and God has preserved this, this text that we have access to in a language that we can readily understand. And he's given it to us as this essential tool for navigating the reality of life. And maybe you're saying, well, wait a minute, why, why do I need the Bible. Why do I need the Bible to help me to navigate life? Well, let me just suggest to you at least four reasons in passing this morning. The first is, I need the Bible to help me know God. I need the Bible to help me know God. Not God as I imagine He might be, or God as I'll make Him up to be, or wish He was, but God as He really is. And yes, we can know some things about God just through nature. The Bible talks about that. There is a certain level of revelation of who God is just in the creation itself. But more specifically, in this gift of this Bible, we come to understand who God is. We come to understand his characters, his thoughts, his values, what it is that that he wants even out of a relationship uh, with us and what his purposes and ways are, how he's dealt with people in the past. And so we, we come to know God much more intimately, much more accurately through the Bible. But the Bible also helps to teach me the truth. Teach me the truth. You know, we live in a, an age where some have called the, the age of truth decay. Uh, there's just a, a decaying of any, even a semblance of, of truth. And we, we have statements like, well, that's true for you, but not true for me. And, and, or truth is, is subjective or relative. And the Bible helps me to, to understand there are some things that are true, whether I agree with them or not, whether I like them or not. There are some things that are true. And the Bible helps me to understand those truths. When I understand those truths, it helps me to navigate life, to know God, to teach me the truth, but it also shows me how to live. Although the Bible is this this incredible resource that God has entrusted to me that that helps me to, to understand how do I make life work? How do I make life work? And when it comes to, to work, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to finances, well, on and on and on the list goes. And the Bible has, uh, has so much in there that tells me about how God, the creator of life, designed life to work. How I can align my life with God's incredible design. And so the Bible shows me how to live, but it also can give me strength. The Bible can give me strength. This week, David Jeremiah had in a, in a devotional thing a, a story of a young man by the name of Carson Leslie, and I don't know whether you've heard Carson's story or, or not. Carson was stricken with cancer at 14 years old. It actually was a brain uh, tumor. And so he was figuring out how do you navigate that, right? As a young man... He pressed into the Bible. He pressed into Scripture. And particularly one verse, Joshua 1 9. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's some of Carson's words No matter how long I live, I want this verse on my tombstone. He wrote in a book that he published, Carry Me. 
And when people visit my grave, I want them to read the verse and think about how it got me through my struggles in life. And I hope others will see that this verse can offer them the same kind of comfort it gives me. Carson had a desire that a book that he was putting together of his experience that might help other teens or children going through this and their families would be published. And it was actually released just a few days before his death at 17 years old. Carson found this incredible strength, this peace, and this comfort in God's Word. And although he passed away at 17, the foundation and medical ministries that have been established in his honor have gone on now to touch thousands of people. Let me give you one more word from Carson in his book, Carry Me. None of us know what life has in store, but it's easy to have courage when you know the courage that comes from God. Where does a 14-year-old get courage like that? From God's Word. From God's Word. And that is what we need. There are times we need strength, we need courage to be able to face the storms of life, right? And to help us to navigate life well. I need the Bible for all of these reasons and so many, 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 many more. But the question is then how? How do I utilize this thing called the the owner's manual? You know, it's been called the most unread book in the world. I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about a car's owner's manual, right? (laughs) And let's face it, not many of us, I know there's a few of you strange ducks out there, but not many of us, when we get a car, get the owner's manual and start on page one and read right through, right? Uh, Most of us, in fact, probably would never look at that owner's manual unless something went wrong, or we didn't know how to fix something, or we didn't know what that button was supposed to do, or whatever it might be. In fact, is we usually only scrounge around and find that owner's manual when there's a problem. And that's the way some people try to utilize the Bible. It's there, it, you know, I even maybe downloaded it on my phone or whatever, and if I get into a situation I can't handle, if I get stuck... Then I'll open the owner's manual. But that's not the best way to utilize this incredible resource, this incredible gift. And so I want to talk to us this morning about four ways that we can utilize this owner's manual. And this is just review, taught on some of these things before. But I just, I just want to return us to this incredible resource that God has given to us. And I want to issue a couple of challenges along the way this morning. The first way I utilize the owner's manual is to get knowledge, to get knowledge, a knowledge about God, about what God has revealed about himself, about life, about, uh, about how he's dealt with people in the past and how that can teach me about how maybe God wants to, to deal in, in, in the future. But knowledge is one of those things that the lack of it can be very distressing in our life. Through the prophet Hosea, we have these words, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected 
knowledge. That when I reject this knowledge, it it sets me up for a, a crash. It sets me up for destruction. Jesus said to them, Mark's gospel, is this not the reason you are wrong? As he was challenging some people. Because you know, you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. You don't have this basic knowledge. And when you don't have that knowledge, it sets you up to walk in the wrong direction. When we interact with God's Word at this level, the goal is simply to know the Word of God. To know the Word of God so that I I become acquainted with it. I begin to, to understand it. I begin more and more to know the Word of God. How do I do that? How do I do that? Simply by reading it. By reading it. By reading God's Word. Jesus' words again. He said to them, have you never read in the Scriptures? Have you never read in the Scriptures? And, and, and it sometimes is, is shocking, the number of folks that, that haven't read this incredible thing, this incredible gift that we had. I've read something about how many, how many uh, years of our life we'll spend in front of a television, right? Uh, yet we can't find time to, to, to read God's Word. And, and so here's the first challenge as we begin a new year together. I want to challenge you to read God's Word, to read God's Word. And I just want to challenge you to to think about this year reading the New Testament through. Reading the New Testament through. And we've actually given to you in the the worship folder this morning, there's a very simple uh, New Testament reading plan. It's not the only plan. It's not the best plan. It's it's a pretty simple plan, five by five by five, five days a week. And one of the the reasons I like a a five-day-a-week reading plan is because it gives you a little flexibility because sometimes life happens and it blows up and you have a little uh, wobble room, you have a chance to catch up, or if you're staying on track, it gives you a chance, maybe if you're doing in, involved in another Bible study or that sort of thing, to give uh, time to that on some of the other days. But, but you don't have to like this plan. We're just giving it to you as a starting place. Go online. Go on the apps. There's, there's tons and tons of, of Bible reading plans out there. But what I'm just going to challenge you to do is to read. Just to say, this year, I want to gain a knowledge of the Word of God. And I'm going to read God's Word, not just when something's broke, but I'm going to read it as part of the rhythm of my life. And the fact is, if you, you want to take on kind of a, a bigger assignment, I've got a reading plan out in the lobby on the, on the, uh, the, the one uh, guest area over there that's uh, kind of a five-day-a-week reading through the entire Bible in the year. And so, so if that's something you want to do, listen, if you already got a great reading plan, you're already reading through the Bible, you're reading through the New Testament, don't, don't change just because we put this one in there. Use whatever works for you. But what I just want to challenge you to do is to say, I am going to so value this that I'm going to commit to reading through the New Testament this year. Reading through the New Testament this year. We begin by gaining knowledge. And we do that 
by reading. The second way that we leverage or utilize this resource of this owner's manual is I can use the Bible to gain perspective. Use the Bible to gain perspective. When we talk about perspective, it's really seeing life from God's point of view. Uh, Sometimes, hopefully in a good relationship, you say, help me to understand this from your perspective. Help me to understand something from your point of view so that I understand my point of view is not the only one. If I understand that in a human relationship, how much more important is it for me to understand God's point of view? Because having God's perspective is not the default position. It's not where we start out. The prophet Isaiah put it this way, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Proverbs gets to the heart of the the challenge for us sometimes. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There are perspectives that we have that seem right to us. There are point of views that we have that absolutely make sense to us. But if they're contrary to God's point of view, they can lead to death. They can lead to destruction. They can lead to to deaths of relationships, the death of dreams, the death of, of the life that God purposed and called us to. And so I need God's Word to help give me perspective. And the goal at this level of utilization is that I'll understand the mind of God. So I'll not just get acquainted with the Word of God, but I'll I'll begin more and more to understand the mind of God. And to understand the mind of God, I I do that by studying it, by studying it. So I'm building on this platform of I'm I'm reading the Word of God, but I'm also now going to dive in and I'm going to study God's Word. Ezra in the Old Testament is a great example of this. For Ezra had set his heart. Look at that phrase, set his heart. Pat was just sharing on the, uh, the children's hallways, talking about commitments uh, the, the, this month. Now, that's what a commitment is. You set your heart. What did he set his heart to do? To study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. And it began as he set his heart to study God's word. Well, what's the difference between reading and studying. Well, I think two things can be vital aids in helping us to not just read the Word of God, but also to study the Word of God. And the first one is write it down. Write it down. So as I, I interact with God's Word, as I'm, as I'm going through and I'm, I'm reading a, a passage, I, I, I want to think about what I'm reading. And, and again, a resource that we've put in the worship folder for you here. We, we keep these online as well, but uh, it's, it's nothing magical about this. You don't have to use this form. I use this outline personally. Uh, I just use it in, in just a, a blank uh, notebook. Uh, SOAP, S-O-A-P is what we call it, Scripture observation, application, and prayer. And so I begin with the Scripture. So here's my Scripture reading today. And maybe you even want to pray a very simple prayer on the front end of that. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see wonderful things in your law. And then as you read that, just maybe there's just a section of that that, that gets your attention. You know, it's kind of like, boy, this really pops out at you today. And you just begin to write down some observations. And we've got some questions in there that, that not to limit you at all. That's just a prompt 
prompt you in your observations there along the way. But you just write down, here are some of the things I'm observing in that. And it begins with some of those basics, who, what, where, when, why, and how, right? Some of those great questions that you learned in school along the way, right? So we, we come and we begin to ask those questions. We begin to observe. And then we want to make application. Application to my life. And it's not just what, what was that I see there, but what do I see God saying for my life? And there's some questions there uh, that, that might be helpful to you along the way. Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim, an attitude to change, a command to obey, an example to follow, a prayer to pray, an error to avoid, a truth to believe, something to praise or thank God for? Again, those are not to limit you. Those are just to kind of prime the pump a little bit along the way. So that maybe you're going through and you say, here's, okay, here's something. Uh, this is an example I should follow. Or here's an error that I need to avoid. Here's a sin I need to confess. And then out of that, you pray. You pray. And some of the best places to start praying is out of God's Word. What did God say to you when you were spending time in that? And so what can make a difference is writing it down. Writing helps to focus us. Writing helps to crystallize our thinking a little bit along the way. And if you say, well, I have horrible handwriting. I write it and I can't even, two minutes later, I can't even read what I write. Well, use a keyboard then. You know, it doesn't have to be whatever works for you, but write it down. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that what happens sometimes when when you start to open up God's Word and you start to read, your mind gets bombarded with all these other things, right? All these things. Oh, yeah, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I forgot to do this. I forgot to do this. I forgot to do this. I need to call it. All these things start, you know, kind of kind of bombing away. And some folks have found it helpful to keep another sheet of paper just to write some of those things that can go down. But just writing, writing helps you to, to kind of shut out the noise of some of those other things and to focus on what God may be saying to you. Now, there's lots of other resources you can access online or uh, commentaries, uh, concordances, all those things. And, and we have classes that help teach that from time to time. But, but at its most basic level, study comes down to observation, application, and prayer. Observation, application, and prayer. And focusing and writing it down. But there's a second thing that helps me to study the Bible. And that is to talk it over. To talk it over. Talk it over so that I, I, I'm not just, just interacting with that text myself, certainly guided by God's Spirit, but I'm also doing that in a community. Uh, I'm also connected to others who are studying God's Word, and together we're sharing maybe some of the things we're observing or some of the applications that God's drawing out of our life. And when we begin to talk it over, God kind of uses that in a catalytic way. And sometimes somebody sees something I didn't see, or they, they bring something out I didn't really notice or or their application is such that it's like oh wow that that that's where I'm at in my life as well and so there is power in studying God's word not just alone but doing that together with others and so we we want to challenge you and get get connected with others around the purpose of studying God's word And for adults, the easiest place to do that and the easiest entry point in the life of our fellowship is an adult Bible fellowship. 
meets on Sunday morning, some at 9.30, some at 11. You can always connect it with a, uh, a worship time and piggyback on that. But it's just, it's, it's an environment where, where you, you can build relationships, and we'll talk about that later but in the series, but, but also where you can study God's Word together. And as you talk it over, you begin to see God using that environment, using the body of Christ to help you to gain God's perspective so that more and more you begin to have God's point of view. You're understanding more and more the mind of God. But there's a third level of interaction with the owner's manual, and that is to use the Bible to develop convictions. Using the Bible to develop convictions. And we, we've talked before, there's a huge difference between an opinion and a conviction. An opinion is something I'll discuss or even argue about, right? And we have opinions. Everybody's got lots of opinions. We've got opinions about food, restaurants, uh, sports, politics, uh, uh, fashion, the weather. And, and you can just spend half your life flipping through uh, channels where talking heads are espousing all sorts of opinions, right? Everybody's got an opinion. But what we're really looking for are convictions. See, a conviction is something I believe so strongly that it shapes my behavior. I believe it so strongly that it's not just something I talk about. It's not just something I argue about. But it's something that is so dear, it's so central to me that it shapes my behavior. And that's what God does when we can continue to interact with his word. Hebrews says, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. How I need that discernment to be able in a world where there's, there's, there's all sorts of opinions, there's all sorts of understandings of what's right and wrong and good and evil to come back to, to God's standard and God's truth and say, what is good? What is evil? Like this, John warned us, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. We, we have to understand, just because there's a crowd doesn't mean they're right. Just because somebody has a ton of followers doesn't mean they're following God. And so we need that discernment. We need to be able to distinguish. We need to be able to develop convictions that shape our life, that shape our behavior, that are based firmly on God's Word. You know, the people who deeply impact the world are people of deep convictions. Men and women who have rock-solid convictions. And the goal at this level of interaction is that I'll share the values of God, that I will share the values of God. Now, let me just pause here and just ask you a question. Who or what is going to be the final authority in your life? I mean, in our judicial world, we have a Supreme Court, right? We may not always like their decisions or agree with their decisions, but ultimately if it gets to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court rules, there's no other appeal. That's the final authority in the interpretation of that law, right? Whether we agree with it or not. What's the final authority in your life? 
When you have to make a decision between right and wrong, good and evil, when you have to make decisions about the best way to live your one and only life, what's going to be the final authority? Is it going to be what's popular, what everybody else is doing? Is it going to be what's easiest, because God wants my life to be easy? Is it going to be tradition, because that's the way we've always done it? Is the final authority in your life going to be the way you were raised, your culture? I mean, that's how I was raised. But then we look back and we realize there are things that have been passed along through the generations that weren't right. That can't be the final authority. Who or what is going to be the final authority? And we could go on and list option after option after option. Let me boil it down. In the end, in the end, it's going to be one of two authorities in my life. It's either going to be the word or the world. It's either going to be the word or the world. Some version of the world or the standard of God's word. And so the goal at this level of interaction is that I will develop convictions. I will share the values of God. And how do I do that? By meditating on it. By meditating on it. As I read God's word, as I study God's word, I begin to meditate upon it. Now, at this point, some of us get a little queasy because meditation seems kind of Eastern or mystic or navel-gazing or whatever it might be. But meditation is actually very simple and at its core. Meditation is about thinking repeatedly about something. And that's what God commanded Joshua to do. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Here are the verses around that one that Carson wanted on his tombstone, right? And it, it has this central theme of meditating upon the truth of God's word. What is meditation? Repeatedly thinking about something. Repeatedly thinking about something. And you all have heard me teach on this before. If you know how to worry, you already know how to meditate. Right? You do. Because what is worry? It's repeatedly thinking about something I don't want to have happen. Something I'm afraid that's going to happen. Something that I'm afraid is going to go wrong. And so I kind of repeatedly think about that. Some of you really know how to worry. You're already expert meditators. You've just been focusing on the wrong subject matter, right? So that we come to the point of saying, God, as I'm reading your word, maybe a verse jumps out. Maybe as I've studied, I've kind of had this application. And, and I just need to sit with that. And maybe you write it out. Sometimes I found it helpful even to, to write it on my, my little kind of the thing I'm using to kind of track my, my day there. Or, or maybe you, you put it on your phone or you put it on a sticky note there on your computer or you put it on the front of the refrigerator or wherever it works for you, but you, you try to keep it before you. And you just spend some time repeatedly thinking about it. Memorization helps in meditation. Because it helps me to, to be able to call it up and think about it again and again and again. And the goal here is that I will share the values of 
God, then I'll share the values of God. But there's one other level of utilization of the owner's manual that I want to talk about this morning. And that is I use the Bible to direct my actions or choices. I'm going to use the Bible to direct my actions or choices. Again, let's stick with Joshua 1. Only be strong and very courageous as God's communicating to Joshua as he begins this leadership journey. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Be careful to do. Right before that, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. When you come to the New Testament, James put it very succinctly, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, because if we just hear without doing, we are deceiving ourselves. We're fooling ourselves into thinking we're navigating life according to God's design. The God goal at this level of interaction with God's Word is that I will do the will of God, that I will do the will of God. And how do I do that? Simply by putting it into practice. Now, we'll talk in the other parts of this series about some things that will help us to put it into practice. But I have to put it into practice. Jesus said, when I hear and do, when I hear and practice, it brings incredible stability into my life. You remember the the, the teaching that Jesus did uh, about uh, two different types of people who built their lives on different foundations. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. What was the difference? Not in the hearing. Both heard, but one did and one did not. One did in accordance, they put it into practice, one did not. And when the inevitable storms came, one collapsed and the other did not. We want you to have strength. We want you to have stability in the midst of the storms. And it comes when we allow the Bible to direct our actions. Peter Marshall, incredible communicator of God's Word, was a chaplain of the U.S. Senate, once wondered along these lines. Let me just read you his words. I wonder what would happen if we all agreed to read one of the Gospels until we came to a place that told us to do something and then went out to do it. And only after we had done it, began reading again. That would be something. There are aspects of the gospel that are puzzling and difficult to understand. But our problems are not centered around the things we don't understand, but rather in the things we do understand, the things we could not possibly misunderstand. Our problem is not so much that we don't know what we should do, We know perfectly well, but we don't want to do it. You see, that's why it's observation and application. 
That's why I want to write that down. That's why I want to meditate on it. That's why it's not just about knowing about, but it's putting it into practice. It's actually doing what God said to do. But I want you to understand the ultimate goal of this. The ultimate goal is, is not just to, to, to know these things. The ultimate goal is that I will become like Christ. Why utilize, why consult the owner's manual? Because God wants to work in my life so that more and more I become like Christ. Paul put it this way to the Romans. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might, he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God is at work in my life and your life more and more to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. The goal of interacting with the owner's manual, the goal of some of the other things we'll talk about in this series is that we will become more and more like Christ. Around here, we've kind of crystallized that into three phases, phrases, excuse me, three phrases. And those phrases kind of are our descriptor, if you will, of, of what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ, what it means to be a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ. Some of you are very familiar with these. You've been around here for a while. We want you to live like Jesus lived. This is about my character and my conduct. So that more and more my character reflects the character of Christ. More and more I exhibit his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. More and more my actions accurately reflect the actions and the priorities of Jesus Christ. So more and more I am conformed to his image as I live like Jesus lived. But I also love like Jesus loved. And this is about the relationships of my life. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, he went to relationships. Love the Lord your God with all your being. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And love ought to be one of the hallmarks of those who are conformed to the image of Christ. A passionate love for the Father. And a compassionate love for others. Love of God and love of others that beginning with our own families, beginning with those within the body of Christ, but extending to those even outside the body of Christ. To love like Jesus loved. And then to leave behind what Jesus left behind. You know, Jesus only had a limited amount of time in that human incarnation. And you and I only have a limited amount of time. We're all going to leave something behind. And part of what it means to be like Jesus is to be intentional about leaving behind what Jesus left behind. This is about mission and purpose. This is about living my life in a way that, that impacts the lives of other people the way Jesus did, that touches the lives of other people, that invests in the lives of other people so that they can carry on the mission and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why utilize this owner's manual? Because God uses that to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody put it this way, the Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. It wasn't given just so we could have a head full of knowledge, so that we could appreciate historic literature but so that our lives would be transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And I had an experience, and I've shared this with some of you, had an experience very early in, in my experience with local church ministry. And it, 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 you know, you have experiences and they kind of mark you along the way. And this was one that, that marked me. 
And I was just trying to figure this thing out. I didn't really know church world at all. I was serving on a staff in a student ministry area, and, and I was learning a whole lot about the reality of people and the reality of church life and all of those things. And some of it was just like, oh, what have I gotten myself into? And, and I can remember one young wife and mother and from outside, you would have said, just wow. And was involved and active and uh, would have people over at their home all the time. And one of the games they would frequently pl- play was Bible trivia. That was kind of a game at the time. And had the reputation of you always wanted to be on her team because she just knew all this stuff and always, always won Bible trivia. Right up until the time that she left her husband and kids and walked out. And that honestly just overloaded the circuits of my little brain. And it just messed with me. And how could that be? How could that be? And what I have come to realize then and since is that you can misuse the owner's manual. You can go to it for your agenda. You can go to it for a little information, a little inspiration. But stay as far away from transformation as you can. God did not inspire and preserve at the cost of many lives the Bible just for our information. And not even just for us to have warm inspiration through the day, but so that our lives would be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is what I want for you as your pastor. I want your life to be blessed. I want you to be prosperous and successful. I want you to know a peace that surpasses all understanding. I want you to have a stability that is sufficient for the storms of life. I want you to be able to navigate the reality of life well. And what I know is, in order for that to take place in your life, you have got to consult the owner's manual. You have got to prioritize utilizing God's Word. And so, honestly, that's the challenge on this first Sunday of a new year. I'm going to ask you just to commit. And this is just going to be between you and the Lord. But I'm going to ask you to commit. Commit to God's Word incorporating that into your life. And some of you already do that so, so well. I'm just going to say, take the next step. Take the next step. And so I'm not going to read all of these to you. You have these in your note-taking guide. But what, what I want to do, I, I want to just, just pray over you, and then I just want to have just a, a couple of moments where we're just going to be still. And I'm just going to ask you to just sit there before the Lord and say, God, what does a commitment to you and to your word look like for me as I begin to navigate a brand new year? Let's pray together, please. Father.
Thank you for this incredible, incredible gift of your word. Thank you, Father, that it is God-breathed, that it is profitable, that it still changes hearts and lives and minds and relationships. And Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that, that in a world full of messages, in a world full of opinions, in a world full of ideas, Lord, that you would, you would speak to us. You would speak to us through your word. You would, even in these moments right now, speak to us about your word. And Father, that you would just find in us a, a willing heart, a willing heart to, to, to read, to study, to, to meditate, to put into practice everything that you have called us to. Father, at the beginning of this brand new year, would you just show us what it looks like for us to take the next step in surrendering our life and aligning our life with the perfect mirror of God's holy word. And I'm just going to ask you now just to spend just a moment or two in the presence of God. And just look over that box.